Hello and welcome to Incision UK podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking to Dr. Alice Choi. Dr. Alice Choi is the Chief Operating Officer of Macken Healthcare UK. Hello, Dr. Choi. Thank you very much for joining Incision UK today. Are you happy to introduce yourself for our audience? Of course, and thank you for inviting me. My name is Alice Choi, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for McCann Health Medical Communication. So it's lovely to be here with you all, even if only in audio fashion. So hello, everybody. Thank you so very much, Dr. Choi. So I guess just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Of course. So I actually have a scientific background, as as you can probably imagine. I went down a fairly traditional academic route. So I did my first degree in pharmacology. I knew I wanted to carry on with my education. So I did my first degree at Manchester. I then moved to Aberdeen to do a master's in clinical pharmacology because I was quite interested in exploring the clinical side of things a bit more. And at that point, Aberdeen was the only place that did a taught master's, which I was interested in. I quickly realized that actually lab work wasn't for me. And I think you either really embrace or you don't embrace lab work. So at that point, I moved more into the public health setting and I did a master's in public health. And I kind of stayed in the public health routes and then moved to do research in, um, I did my PhD in Birmingham in the area of occupational cancer epidemiology. So a very kind of academic route, but kind of shifted more from what I would consider more bench type science slash pharmacology to more of the public health setting. So that's kind of my background and thereafter I kind of catapulted myself into the world that I'm in now which is medical communications. Thank you. So I guess my next question is going to be what is Mike and Health and what it is that they do? Okay, so I work in a division of McCann Health, which is called McCann Health Medical Communications. And in a nutshell, it's actually quite a niche career path that unless you know about it, you wouldn't automatically end up in it. So essentially, our client base are a range of large pharmaceuticals, mid-sized pharmaceutical companies, biotechs. And it's really our job to help them communicate their data from phase two onwards of the clinical trial process. Largely speaking, there are some variations in a really ethical, transparent, yet compelling way. And it all has to be very evidence-based. So our audiences that we communicate to via a variety of media and channels tend to be healthcare professionals, mainly specialists, but sometimes primary care So it's quite an interesting career path that maybe not many people know about. In turn, our organisation is part of McCann Health, which is part of McCann World Group. And McCann World Group is one of the largest marketing and communication networks in, in the world. Great. Thank you so much. What attracted you to healthcare communication? So in all honesty, 
and this probably applies to a lot of people, not necessarily if you're studying medicine, because I think if you've elected to study medicine and that's what you're doing, that's taken a lot of commitment and I think a lot of focus. So I think in your instance, you probably to do medicine, you always had a very clear career path in mind. For me, that wasn't the case. After I did my PhD and, and my research associate's position in Birmingham, I knew that I didn't want to stay in academia because academia isn't for everyone. And I knew that wasn't for me. So I actually went down to the university careers service and just happened to look through a variety of materials trying to get inspiration. And just by serendipity, I saw an advert and it wasn't necessarily for medical communications, but it was, it was for a kind of graduate trainee slash management training program for a company called Adelphi, which was at the time, and actually it still is, it's part of the Omnicom group, which is another huge advertising network. And it just caught my interest because I knew that I didn't want to stay in academia and I wanted to maybe do something with more of a commercial focus. But at the same time, I didn't want to waste years of education because by that time, we're talking kind of eight years in education and I knew I didn't want to waste the science. So this ad really caught my eye and um, it was it was a really great opportunity because it wasn't for a set job, but the advert related to a kind of rotation where you got to be exposed to different disciplines involved in supporting the pharmaceutical industry. So medical slash healthcare communications was, was one rotation, market research was another, and health outcomes research was another of the three rotations. So I was very lucky in that it was quite a unique opportunity that I just stumbled upon. Great. And then I guess once you stumble upon that opportunity and you started there, um, then when you realize what sort of healthcare communication was and what they were doing, what did you love most about it? And how did you decide that, okay, this is it, this is, this is my sort of my, my path? So, as I said, I did the three rotations and really from the word go out of all of the three rotations, the medical communications rotation just really captured my interest. So the, the idea of in some way playing even a very small part in that really valuable communication about novel life-changing products that would eventually work their way to patients was super, super interesting. And just the communication channels at the time, you know, things like peer-reviewed publications, websites, live meetings, just the variety and, and wealth of, of communication channels that were available, I just found really interesting. So from the word go, it was just something that clicked. I guess to follow up on that, um, do you think that your past experience, that your background in academia really helped you, not only within that role, but also ever since as you progressed throughout the years? And if so, can you maybe articulate to us how it did? 
Of course. So in all honesty, I think that if you are a medical student and you are not interested in pursuing clinical practice, then actually medical communications could be a really great career opportunity for you. So in medical communications, you tend to have two career path options. So one is on the scientific services side. And then the other is what I would term client services. So client services side, that's more account handling. That's more covering the commercial side of things. So in, in fact, in my own career progression, even though I had this very strong scientific background, because I was more interested in commercial decision making and working on the client services side, I actually didn't pursue the scientific services side, which is what you might imagine with my background. So I actually started off, you know, as an account exec, working my way up to an account manager, account director. So more on the kind of strategy, financial management, client relationship side of things. For some medical students, I think the scientific services path would be brilliant. So that would traditionally involve, you know, starting off as a medical writer, senior medical writer, working your way up to become a scientific director. So if you have a really robust love of science, you can write well, or you have a critical eye in terms of reviewing. You like the idea of team leadership or even if you're not into team leadership but you more like the idea of generating really great content you can provide medical insights across a range of therapy areas and I have to say that some of the best medical insights directors I've come across have actually been medical students had that medical background I think it would be a great career option if you don't want to pursue clinical practice For me, you asked me kind of what benefits that scientific background brought. So even though I didn't pursue the scientific services path, I was very much on the commercial side of things. To have that understanding of a lot of therapy areas via the pharmacology side of things, an understanding of kind of physiological science has been massively helpful because if a client has a challenge, I can get my head around quite quickly what the issue is. The other thing that it's instilled in me, I think if you're a good scientist, you have a real appreciation for evidence-based medicine and evidence-based decision-making. And even in the commercial setting, I think applying that logic has been really helpful to me. Thank you so much. Uh, That's a lot of really great insight. What does it mean to be a chief operating officer? To cut a long story short, in in our group of companies, we have five agencies underneath our umbrella and in different ways, they're all involved in healthcare communications. Four of the agencies are, we have one regulatory agency and I sit at group level. So it's my job to really support all of those five agencies and ensure the smooth running of our business. So honestly, the day-to-day tasks that I do are incredibly varied. They range from being involved in client discussions, making sure that our contracts are done as they should be. I still do a lot of direct 
client facing work. So it could be health checking with clients, just making sure that they're happy with the level of service they're getting from us. You can imagine in the current climate of, of COVID-19, I've been making sure along with my colleagues that we've got good working arrangements in place for all of our staff, making sure that the transition to home working has happened well. I still occasionally get involved in product level discussions, you know, when a client needs a solution for something. So really just a whole range of things. And I think being a chief operating officer just varies dramatically from organisation to organisation. But I think the constant is that you're there to make sure that the operation runs effectively and efficiently. Great. Thank you very much. Could you give us an example or something that you have done with the organization, which would, which sits very obviously into this landscape? In essence, what we do is we, the bulk of our work, not all of our work, but the bulk of our work tends to be at global level. So we will often support global pharmaceutical companies, as I said earlier, in disseminating their data to healthcare physicians. So one example of the work that we provide in oncology, say, you know, for in some areas of immuno-oncology where, as you know, it's very complicated, very fast-moving science. So one area of support that we provide our clients and external authors is transparently acknowledged medical peer-reviewed medical publication support so we will often work with external authors provide support to them to make sure that data is communicated accurately in a timely way to the right journals to ensure that the right stakeholders can hear firsthand either via a journal or it could be a conference the latest in terms of the benefits and side effects and so forth about any given product so that's really interesting I think the key thing for an organization like us is that we have to be very ethical and evidence-based and compliant so when we do contribute to any of those sorts of projects our contribution is always acknowledged publicly so that's one example where we've had great success and, and it's been very exciting to be at the forefront of new developments in science and medicine great thank you what would be some of the current opportunities as a business and sort of some of the progresses that you've seen within your industry so um for us at the moment we work across a range of of therapy areas and i think as you can probably imagine yourself with your background some of those therapy areas move at a much faster pace than than others so i would say for example 15 20 years ago as a business we did much more work in in psychiatry we're seeing probably perhaps a bit less activity in areas like that there's an awful lot happening in in oncology as we've said I think rare diseases, there's quite a lot of activity going on there. I think immunology is another exciting area where there are lots of changes happening. So we're really fortunate because where there are new product developments, new mechanisms of action, we're very lucky in that that's where we tend to work. I think that precision medicine 
is another area that's incredibly exciting that we're starting to see more more work come through and you know when you think about areas like precision medicine you actually have to think not just about the medicine but but what are the implications that healthcare practitioners need to understand you know so for example even the types of clinical trials that are associated with precision medicine may be very, very different to the conventional trials that a lot of physicians are used to. So it's our job to help our clients to really help educate and communicate about that. And what about then sort of the challenges or the improvement that you really want to see in your industry or yes, or challenges that you're facing right now? I guess within the current climate, there might be quite a few. So in terms of the, the challenges, I think, and you know, and I, I'm absolutely not speaking out of turn because I think it's a well-known phenomenon that there is some cynicism towards the pharmaceutical industry. So the whole transparency and trust debate is very, very important. And I think as an agency, we have a really big role to play in that. So, you know, we want to work with clients who work in a very ethical way and and we absolutely want to do that as well as i said whenever we do externally facing work our contribution is always open and acknowledged so i think that's an ongoing debate and i think over the past several years the the pharmaceutical industry has made lots of strides to improve their transparency and hopefully build trust in terms of the latter day challenges that that you mentioned i mean obviously covid has been very challenging from our perspective we've always tried to have a very flexible approach in terms of our staff and employees so in terms of productivity and moving towards a remote home-based environment that has been no problem we've been very flexible a lot of our staff are actually enjoying working from home so in terms of doing our day-to-day jobs that has been absolutely fine in terms of the wider areas that we work obviously there was an initial kind of pause when COVID first emerged, you know, like with medical conferences, not sure what to do, were they going to carry on or not? And we've seen with a lot of conferences and educational programs, they have actually carried on. But instead of being in live face-to-face format, they're now virtual and digital. So I think we've seen a really good adaption. So still challenges, but, but life is still moving on successfully, I think. Yes. What would you say is a Mecan Health sort of North Star and what is yours? Absolutely great question. So without a doubt for our organisation and our parent organisation, McCann Health, the North Star and ultimate passion and desire is to make a meaningful difference. And that, without a doubt, is what we're all here for. In a way, there are some parallels with medicine because medicine is it's a tough career choice, isn't it? You don't choose that as a career choice if you're faint-hearted. And, and you do it because you you know, you have a a strong interest in robust practice and science. And ultimately, you put yourself through that because you care. And there are some parallels with what we do. Working in a client service industry, it's not easy. It's not a nine-to-five existence. But you do it if you care passionately and you want to make a difference. 
And for me personally, those goals really resonate with our organisational goals. Whatever I do, I want to make some kind of positive and, and meaningful difference. What do you enjoy most about your job? So lots of things, to be honest with you. I mentioned to you before, I really have quite a varied role. So I do like the variety. I particularly like the fact that no two days are ever the same. So I, I don't get bored. But most importantly, I'm very, very fortunate in that I work with a really great, smart funny bunch of, of people, all really, really talented, all really committed. I've been with the organisation now for 18 years and that is a big reason why I've stayed because I've got great colleagues. Wow, that's amazing. What do you think are the top three skills to succeed in healthcare communication? Not in any particular order. I think, as we've discussed quite a lot, you have to have an appreciation, a very strong appreciation for robust science and medicine. But you also, alongside that, have to know how to apply and communicate it because there's absolutely no point in having great science and medicine and data if you don't know how to communicate that in a really compelling way. I think the second thing is that you have got to be a good team player and collaborator without a doubt because you're always part of some team whether it's a collaboration with your client or a collaboration with your colleagues you do have to be a good team player so that's the other thing. The third thing for me, and I would say this, to be honest with you, of any challenging career, not just medcoms, but I think you have to have resilience. And I'm sure doing medicine, that's, that's definitely a skill set that you guys have to have by the bucket load. <laughs> Very true. Um, so next question is, what is the professional achievement you are most proud of and why? So this answer is more of a hybrid answer because, of course, I'm very proud of the work we do. We really strive for excellence. And, you know, I said to you before that for us, it's about making a very meaningful difference. Whilst I've been at the company, as I said, I've been with the company for 18 years. Prior to my current role, I led one of the agencies within a group and I enjoyed a lot of success with that. It was terribly rewarding. Um, you know, for the past, for the last five years of my being with that agency, we grew on average over 20% every year, which is, you know, that that is a, a great achievement. And a lot of that was down to the fantastic colleagues that I worked with as well. But for me, one of the things that I am most proud of is throughout all of my professional experiences, alongside that, I've enjoyed a really good family life. I have three daughters and for me that has been massively important. So raising three daughters who are all quite feisty in their own way, they don't think it's unusual at all to have a mother who works and is also a mother. And I think for me, that is one of the achievements that I am most proud of, without a doubt. Thank you so much. Okay, so now the last two questions are really for, um, 
for you to maybe give advice to your younger self and us by extension. So the first question is, what would you, Dr. Cho 2020, say to Alice, your younger self, when she was a first year student in pharmacology, seeing, you know, your journey, your career, everything you've done, um, what would you say to her? Yeah, so I have a few bits of advice I would give to the younger Alice. I think the first bits of advice is I would most definitely say don't stress about everything, only stress about the things that you can actually control. If you can't control it, don't sweat the small stuff and, and don't worry about it. Just focus on what you can control. I think the second advice, which is no less important, and for me in some ways it actually is just as if not more important, one thing that I have come to learn, and it really does hold true, is I think that everything most certainly happens for a reason, not just in your career, but also in your personal life. I think there have been many points in, in my life where things have happened or not happened and I've been so disappointed about them. You know, maybe I didn't get this job or that opportunity. But then in retrospect, it all worked out and there was actually a reason for that happening or not happening. So just a personal philosophy. So I would try and hold on to onto that one. And if I were to give a third piece of advice, I would say don't be frightened to put your hand up for things. You know, if an opportunity comes your way, then feel free to put your hand up and, and don't say no to things. But at the same time, choose those things wisely. Don't be indiscriminate about what you put your hand up to. Choose things that, you know, really resonate with you or you find really interesting or could give you that extra little bit of push. So I think those would be the three pieces of, of advice that I would give the mini Alice. Thank you. And what do you think the mini Alice would say to you if she was like saying what she would have achieved over all those um, years? What do you think she would say to you seeing you now? Seeing me now, she'd probably, I mean, I can tell you that the mini Alice would have taken no notice of any of the advice that I gave, you know, any of the advice that I'd just given. And um, I think the mini Alice would probably be quite surprised. And um, certainly in my younger years, I didn't have a very fixed career path plotted out for me. Some people do, the majority of us just don't. So, you know, overall, I, I consider myself very fortunate in the path that I've had and the opportunities that I've had. So I think Minnie Alice would hopefully be quite happy when she was listening. Last question. Can you please finish this, sent this sentence for us? Resilience is? An evolving characteristic. I think it can peak and trough in a person. I think if you can just continue to keep hold of it throughout, it would be a very valuable thing. I think it takes many different forms. So I think sometimes resilience can emerge in the form of optimism. I think in other terms, it can emerge just in terms of sheer persistence and not being willing to, to let go. But as I, as I said to you earlier, I think resilience is one of the most important qualities that you can 
have and I do think that sometimes it, it's something that comes easier to others but I think it's something we should all strive for. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for all those advices and all this information. It was an amazing podcast, Dr. Cho. You are very welcome. It's been wonderful to, to speak with you. And honestly, the one thing I would say is my door, my organization's door is always open. So if anyone within your peer group or organization would ever like to know more about medical communications and, and what it entails, then please feel free to, to knock on our door. Thank you very much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon.